Oh, we lift you up, Jesus. The name above every name. The name that includes all the names of God. Thank you, Father. There is no other name. Thank you for that name. And you've called us by that name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. Blessed be the name. Thank you, Father God. We worship you. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to come together as a body of believers, a family tonight, to hear your truth, to hear your word, to have our eyes open further, Lord, to be changed from faith to faith and glory to glory, to be able to leave this place better than the way we came, Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Father. We don't take your word lightly. We don't take the Spirit of God lightly. Thank you, Father. We are yours and you are ours. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We thank you for it in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. Well, give the praise and worship team a hand tonight. Thank you all. Hallelujah. Boy, it's when you sing those songs is when you miss your drummer, huh? (laughs) I'm a musician, so it's like, okay, we missed a drummer tonight, man. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Well, how are y'all doing? Y'all came back for more? Amen. More word, more truth, more light, more anointing, more revelation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Um, How many of you, let me see a show of hands, how many of you took a nap today? Let me see how many, oh, we got a lot of nappers here, all right. You know what that means to a preacher, don't you? means he can preach longer. <laughs> that means you stay awake. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm going to have you turn to some familiar verses of Scripture here. Just to, I'm going to read like four, maybe four or five verses of Scripture here, and then we'll introduce what we're talking about. Well, you'll be able to tell by the four verses what we're going to talk about. But let's uh, first of all go to Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2. If you don't know where Habakkuk is, neither do I. So, no, I'm just kidding. If you go, if you go to Matthew and go back a few books for about what is it, four books or so, you'll get to Habakkuk. But um, Habakkuk chapter two, we're going to read verse number four. Hallelujah. Habakkuk chapter two, verse four says, "Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his what." The just shall live by his faith. Let's let's all say that together. The just shall live by his faith. Now go over to Romans chapter 1 with me. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 17. Romans 1, 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by what? The just shall live by faith. Say that. All right, go over to Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 11. Galatians 3, 11. My Bible turns quicker than your leather Bible, my electronic Bible. (laughs) So I'm waiting on you leather Bible folks to get there. (laughs) 
but that no man, Galatians 3.11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Say it with me. The just shall live by faith. Go over to Hebrews chapter 10 now. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Hebrews 10.38 says, Now the just... Oh, I guess I better wait. Some, some of y'all still turning. Hebrews 10.38, Hebrews chapter 10, and verse number 38. It says, Now the just shall live by what? By faith. The just shall live by faith. That's the righteous. So let's all say that together. The just shall live by faith. Now flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 5. So how are we supposed to live? By faith. God said we're supposed to live by faith. Now we know that we get born again by faith, Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. So we know faith takes a hold of saving grace. But then all those verses we just read said we're supposed to live by faith. So after you get saved by faith, then you're supposed to live by faith. Sounds like it's something we do from the time we get born again till the time we go to heaven and we'll still be living by faith forever then. <laughs> Look at Second Corinthians thirteen five, Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse five. Examine yourselves. Notice it didn't say examine you're the one next to you. <laughs> it says examine yourselves, so this is self examination time. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. So Paul lets us know that we're, we're to continually look to ourselves and say, okay, am I using faith? Well, we know without faith it's impossible to please God, Hebrews 11:6. So if it's, if it's going to be pleasing to God, it's going to have to be done in faith. And um, he says, examine yourselves here. So that doesn't mean just in one area. Just spiritually examine myself. Am I walking by faith the way I treat my spouse? Am I walking by faith the way I handle my finances? Am I walking by faith uh, with my physical health and my body? Am I walking by faith with my emotions and my mental state? What am I? I've got to judge myself, examine myself, to see if I'm uh, staying in faith, like one translation says, and exhibiting the proper fruits of it. So I'm supposed to be exercising my faith, and then fruit should be coming forth as a result of walking by faith. That's part of letting your light shine before men, that they see your fruit. They see you walking by faith, and it's, your faith is producing. They see your good works, and then they glorify God in heaven. So he says, examine yourself. Here's what the, um, well, go over to, jump over to Ephesians chapter 2. I quoted that just a minute ago. Look at it with me. Ephesians 2, 8. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, the 8th verse. And it says, For by grace are you saved through what? Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So for by grace, that's God's favor, that's God's grace. God's grace saves you through faith, and he even gave you the faith to be able to receive the grace. So he gets all the glory, right? 
By grace are you saved through faith. And that word saved comes from a a, a root word in the uh, Greek language, sozo. Not bozo, sozo. (laughs) Sozo means saved, delivered, preserved, protected, healed, made whole. So it's an all-inclusive word in salvation. That's why when I witness to somebody, if I get somebody to accept Jesus, I immediately ask them, okay, so what else do you need in your life? They'll say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, salvation is a complete package. Spirit, soul, body, finances, everything. What do you need? Because you're part of the body now, so you've been saved from sin. You've been saved from sickness. You've been saved from poverty and lack. You've been saved from depression. You've been saved from bad temper and anger problem. You've been saved from everything. You've been put back into the Garden of Eden in a position as the first Adam before sin. Do you realize that's what's happened to you when you're saved? That's why Jesus is not called the second Adam. I've heard preachers say, well, yeah, the second Adam was Jesus. No, he was the last Adam. He, he's never called the second Adam in Scripture. Scripture calls him the last Adam. Why is he called the last? Because we don't need another. Amen. He did it all. He finished the work. Praise God. So, for by grace are you saved. For by grace are you healed. For by grace you prosper financially. If you learn to do everything by the grace of God, you'll be empowered to do things you can't do on your own. I mean, I tried for years to get out of debt and stuff on my own, and then I finally started following the Bible's plan of putting God first in your finances and all that, and then we just started paying off debt and right, the debt left and right, and God showed us how to pay off our mortgage and everything else. We got debt-free. Amen. Just because we decided, you know what, Jesus bore my poverty when he was on the cross, just like he bore my sin, just like he bore my sickness. He bore every curse, and yet a lot of Christians don't understand he bore... Just like he bore your sin and made you righteous, he bore your poverty and made you rich. But, Brother Larry, I'm not rich. Well, that's just like a sinner getting saved and then saying, but, Brother Larry, I'm not, I'm not righteous. Well, yes, you are. Yeah, but I haven't done any right thing yet. No, you're not doing it based on what you've done. You're doing it based on what he did on the cross. That's what causes grace to flow. So you're righteous not based on anything you have done. It's not your performance. It's based on what he's already done. He's made you righteous when you accept it by faith. Faith releases the grace of God, and then you become what God says you are. So I started calling myself rich long before I got out of debt. And you know what? When you start believing it, that's when grace really flows. It's not just saying it, but when I started believing I am rich, it took all fear of giving away. I no longer had a fear to take, well, the first 10% of my income I'm going to give to God, then the next 10%, and then above that as God leads us. And one God, one time God spoke to Liz and I to empty our bank account. Totally. I'm talking, leave nothing in it. You talk about a step of faith because there was a big amount in there. <laughs> but God told us to do it, so we obeyed him. But there was no fear when I knew, well, I'm rich. So that means riches have to come to me. So if I... Sow a big seed, let it go, then it's going to come back to me because my Father owns it all. Remember what Jesus said? Um, he said, all things that, the, whether I think this is in like John sixteen fifteen, all things that the Father has are mine. So I started seeing that. Okay, so I'm one with Jesus. He's in me. I'm in him. So all the riches in the earth belong to me too. So when you start seeing yourself as he is, in fact, I was driving, let me share something the Lord told me one time. I was driving down the road praying in tongues one time, and all of a sudden I heard the Lord speak, and he said this. 
if you will believe what I said you already are, I'll change what is. Get a hold of that. If you'll believe what I said you already are, I'll change what is. Isn't that powerful? I hope you can get that. If you don't get it, Lord, open the eyes of their understanding. Help them to see it. Believe in what God said we already are, we already have, we already can do, whatever it is, all pointing back to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Believe it's done, and then he can change what's in this present realm. Change your problem. Change your circumstances. Change your situations. Can I hear an amen? The Amplified says, For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. All right, so turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to show you one verse there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We live by faith. Living by faith is day-to-day walking out your life pleasing God. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, another familiar verse, it says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Everybody say, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, the context of this statement is actually talking about when we leave the body, uh, we'll be present with the Lord. But, you know, God does not expect us to walk by faith just in this area, just about when we're going to die and go be with him. He expects us to walk by faith in every area, right? Remember what Luke 18.8 says, that uh, when Jesus comes back to the earth, will he find faith on the earth? That tells me he's going to be looking for it. So it is important, and so we're going to talk to you about faith uh, I heard the Lord said, said this to me one time. He said, many of my children are walking by sight, and they don't even know it. Well, his children, that's you and me, that we got saved by faith, and so we're supposed to then walk by faith, live by faith day to day. In other words, when we face all the situations, whether it's with the kids or with your job or with your finances or with your physical health or with... The, associations or whatever, we're supposed to apply the Word of God in those areas and walk by what did God say rather than what it feels like or looks like or sounds like or what other people have experienced. So notice it says we walk, and that, of course, refers to what you say and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Therefore, we can rightly say that this word walk refers to the decisions that we make every day that govern our lives, right? The decisions we make would be what it means by walking by faith. This, uh, this Greek word faith is the Greek word pistis, and it means, uh, well, let me just, let me give you the, in essence, it's it really faith in essence is a belief in God, his word, and his ways, that persuades us to speak and do everything he says right in the face of contradictory circumstances. That's, that's in essence what faith is when you look at uh, it's a, a believing and it's a, a confidence and it's a sold-out attitude and all, all the stuff that this word pistis means. It's, it's a belief in God, his word, and his ways that persuades us to say and do everything God says even in the face of contradictory circumstances. Or in other words, regardless of what it looks like, we're going to keep speaking and saying and doing what God says. 
Sight then would obviously be just the opposite. It would, it would refer to facts and realities like we were looking at this morning, facts and realities in the natural realm that we contact with our physical senses, things that we see, hear, feel, taste, and touch. And so let's go over to John chapter 20 and look at some examples of people that walked by faith versus people that walked by sight. In fact, we'll probably end up back in numbers where we were this morning as well. Let's go to John chapter 20 to begin. And um, let's go start reading in verse number 19. Verse 19, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the middle of them and said, Peace be unto you. And when he had said that, he showed unto them his hands and his side, And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Skip down to verse 24. Now later on, when Thomas comes, Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Verse 25, the other disciples therefore said, hey, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, no, except I shall see the hand in his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand to the side, I will not believe. So I want you to underline, like I did in my Bible here, first of all, I underline, he said, except I shall see. So I underlined see, highlighted it too. And then uh, he said, I, I want to be able to see with my own eyes his hands, the print of the nails. And then I want to put my finger. So I underlined put my finger. That's feel. So now we got see and feel. we got physical sense realm going here. Uh, and then thrust my hand. So again, that would be feel. And then he said, I will not believe. I want you to notice what he did not say. He did not say, man, I just can't believe it. He did not say, I cannot believe. He said, I will not. That means it was an act of his will. Well, verse 26, eight days later, uh, Jesus came, stood in the midst of him. Of course, Thomas was there this time. And look who he talked to when he arrived. Verse 27, he said to Thomas, the one that was doubting. He doesn't like doubt in the room. <laughs> he already knows the other people believe, and so he, he's, he's wanting Thomas to get believing here. He said, Thomas, reach hither your finger. And behold my hands, and reach hither your hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless. Everybody say faithless. Don't be faithless, but believing. Actually, the Greek word for faithless, listen to this, actively disbelieving. Actively, I mean, it's like it's a verb, man. It's like, okay, I am, I am trying to do this. I am trying to disbelieve, and that's when he said, "I will not." This proves right here. This Greek word proves that it wasn't, "I cannot." He was saying, "No, I will not. I am actively disbelieving that." All right, and so then uh, Thomas answered, verse twenty-eight. You know, after Jesus said, "Don't be faithless, but believing," Thomas answered and said, "Oh my Lord, my God." Now watch what Jesus said. This is amazing. Jesus said, Thomas, here's the reason that you believe. Because you've seen me. Here's the reason you're believing right now. is It's only because you're using your physical senses. Remember we saw this morning the children of Israel. They just believed what they saw. They wouldn't believe what God said. Here, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. But watch what he says. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. 
How many days we got here tonight? Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed, right? We don't have to see to believe. We believe and then we see. Praise God. So um, blessed are they that have not seen. It's actually uh, in the Greek language the word seen is, is in a perfect tense means to know. I don't have to know by seeing. I know by believing. Glory to God. All right, so he says, uh, he says, don't be faithless. So then Thomas had no faith going on here at all. It wasn't, you know, a lot of times us preachers will say, you know, you don't want to have the Thomas kind of faith. Well, it really wasn't faith at all. It was a Thomas kind of doubt, right? Because Jesus said faithless. If somebody says something less, like, you know, give me some change. Well, I am money less, and I pull my pocket out, and I don't have any money. Money less means you don't have a penny. Faith less means he didn't have any faith. And Jesus said, Thomas, you're trying to use your physical senses to believe, but the ones that are going to be blessed are the ones that don't have to see to believe. So that goes right back to our walk by faith and our talk by faith and living by faith. Uh, Faith is, you know, in in every case, when I went through um, the four Gospels and all the epistles, I, I read all of the New Testament looking how faith was used, and I really found out it was only used in two ways. Two ways faith was used. Number one, to receive something from God, or number two, to stop the enemy, to resist Satan. It was only used two ways. And so obviously then, this is something we should be exercising all the time is our faith in God. Uh, Let's jump over to Matthew chapter 14. The number one hindrance to, to faith probably in God is... Um, thoughts. The devil works on the mind. You know, the mind is the devil's battleground. And so thoughts try to get you in unbelief, try and get you into fear, try and get you in doubt um, so that you're not in faith. I mean, when fear comes, then you're not in faith. When doubt comes, you're not in faith. Now, I'm not saying it won't come against our heads. It will. Doubt will try and come. Panic will try and come. Fear Depression, all the stuff that's part of the kingdom of darkness tries to come in our thought realm. But that's why we're supposed to cast it down. Casting down every thought and bring it into the the obedience of Christ. Remember, Paul told the Corinthian church. So we have to make sure that we keep our minds full of the word of God. Remember what Isaiah 26.3 said? God said, he will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is continually on him. King James says, your mind is stayed on him. He will keep us in perfect peace. Perfect peace. That's the word shalom twice in a row. God will keep you in shalom, shalom, if you'll keep your mind stayed on him. And then the verse tells us why. Because we trust in him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. I remember singing that song growing up, and it meant nothing to me. (laughs) And then I finally got in good churches like this one, got filled with the Holy Ghost, turned on the Word of God, and now trust and obey. There is no other way, not if you want to be happy in Jesus, right? 
And I realize trust and obey are Old Testament terms. We don't see them in the New Testament like we did the Old. But the two terms in the New Testament are the same thing as trust and obey, and that's faith and action. Faith and doing is trusting and obeying. And if you want to be happy in Jesus, you better learn to walk by faith and live by faith. Glory to God. All right, where did I tell you? Matthew 14. Matthew 14. Let's start reading in verse number 23. Anybody getting anything? When Jesus sent the multitudes away, he went to the house uh, or went to the mountain to pray. And the evening was come. He was there alone. But the ship, verse 24, the ship was now in the middle of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. They cried out for fear. And straightway Jesus spake to them and saying, Don't or be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? And then they came into the ship. The wind ceased. Now Jesus had told uh, the disciples to get into a ship to go before him to the other side. Actually, if you read the other Gospels, uh, this one doesn't say it. They saw him walking on the sea. One of the other Gospels said, and he would have passed by them. He had no intention of walking up to the ship. He was just going to go ahead and meet them on the other side because he had already given them his word, go to the other side. So they already had his word that would have kept them out of fear, that would have kept them On their target, we walk and live by faith. So come on, let's go. This is what he said. Let's do what he said. Do what the Word says, right? So Jesus then comes walking on the water, and they all saw him and thought it was a ghost. Now, you have to understand why, because they obviously had been with Jesus for a time. They knew what he looked like, so why did they think it was a ghost? Well, put yourself in the situation. You're in the sea, and, and it says the middle of the sea, the ship was tossed. So we're not talking little waves here. We're talking some type of major storm. If the ship is being tossed around, then there's a major storm, typhoon, whatever. We don't know what kind, but something's going on that's throwing that ship all over the place. And then when you talk about somebody walking on the water, we're not talking calm water. So we're talking large waves. So you see them appear when they walk up a wave. And disappear when they walk down a wave. Do you get this? You get in the picture? And so you're in the ship and it's being tossed and you're holding on for life. And then all of a sudden you see a head come up, look like Jesus, and it disappeared. Then the head comes up again and you see it again, it disappears. And now you're thinking, ghost! Ah! Come on, you and I probably would have hollered too. (laughs) And so... Jesus, of course, they, you know, they cried out for fear, cried out for fear. So they're in fear. They're not in faith. So Jesus wants to get them in faith. And so he said, hey, guys, it's, it's okay. It's me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Hmm. Don't be afraid. I just did a whole television series, a month-long series, daily TV for a whole month on do not fear. Because most Christians operate in some form of phobia, some form of fear. Afraid of this, afraid of that, worried, stressed, that's all forms of fear. And yet God says, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. I went through the Bible to see how many times just fear 
Now, when I say fear is mentioned, I'm not just talking about the F-E-A-R word, but I'm talking about afraid, terrified, just every single word that would be associated with fear. And I found it 875 times in the Bible. 875 times God puts it in there. Now, the majority of those times, like over 600 of them, the majority of them are just stories, you know, where the the Amalekites were afraid of children of Israel. So that just stories and, and that kind of thing. But I found out when I, I wanted to find out how many times I'm told not to fear when I'm studying. So I actually looked. I want to find out how many times did the Bible say either don't be afraid, don't be terrified, don't fear, don't, don't, don't. 167 plus times. 167 plus times. Now you can't, let me just throw this in while I'm at it. I don't know how many of you are on Facebook. But you can't always believe what you read on social media. Even preachers put stuff on there that's just not true. And this famous preacher, along with a bunch of other Christians, I've seen it several times now because I've been on, I have Larry Hutt Ministry Facebook page. So, so I'm, I'm on there daily just checking things and seeing messages and stuff like that. But anyway, this one preacher and a bunch of other Christians, they said, yep, there is 365 fear knots in the Bible, one for every day of the year. <clears throat> Wrong answer. Not true. <laughs> it is not. There's 167. <laughs> so, again, you can't believe everything you, you hear or read, but... But when I studied and saw 167 times, I realized, well, you know, if God told me three times, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a word be established, then you have Bible doctrine. But God didn't just tell you 10 times or 50 times, 100 times, even 150 times. He told you 167 times, do not fear. So just by saying do not fear, then they didn't have to be afraid after that. Even when he went walking on the water, right? And so he said, don't be afraid. Well, Peter then seemed to get rid of the fear for a moment. He said, okay, Lord, if that's you out there, tell me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus said, come. What did he say? What did he mean? Come halfway and sink? Come most of the way and then sink. Come and then get in fear because of the waves and winds. No. Come, even though he just spoke one word, was a, an answer to what Peter said. Peter asked, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. So the word come means come to me on the water. And so he walks down out of the ship and walks on the water. The Bible says so, verse 29, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And it doesn't say he took two steps. It said he walked. Well, obviously, by them not being able to see Jesus perfectly, Jesus was a distance from the ship when they thought he was a ghost. So Peter's got to walk out to, to Jesus some distance. We don't know how far, but we know he walked. And that means he walked up a wave and down a wave, up a wave and down a wave to get to where Jesus was. Because remember, the wind didn't stop until they got back to the ship. So it's still storming. And remember, that's what caused Peter to get in fear. He walked up a wave, down a wave, up a wave. got, And he got within an arm's length. Isn't that right? It said... Uh, he said, Lord, save me. And look at verse 31. Jesus stretched forth his hand. So maybe two steps max. Two steps. He got all the way from the ship up and down waves with things, water, water blowing in his eyes, hair a mess, the ship still being tossed back there. It didn't affect him. He kept walking. And then all of a sudden it said, uh, verse 30, 
when he saw the wind. Well, first of all, you can't see the wind. You can see the results of the wind. You can see leaves and trees and things blowing and the waves, you know. Well, you can look outside. Look, I see the wind blowing. No, you're not seeing the wind. You're seeing the results of the wind. So when it says he saw the wind, that lets us know what he saw. He saw the waves and the air and the stuff blowing in the air. And then he probably took a look back at the ship being tossed in the waves. And he got his eyes off Jesus. Got his eyes off. Remember, Jesus and the Word are one, so he got his eyes off the Word, fear not. Fear not. He got his eyes off the Word, come. Jesus had prepared him two times, really three times. When Jesus told the disciples and him to go to the other side, that means that was a word right there that would have kept him out of fear. Jesus said, I mean, if Peter would have thought about the first word that was spoken, go to the other side. Two steps away from Jesus, looks at the wind, fear tries to come. He thought, no, Jesus said we're going the other side, so I'm not going to sink. I don't have to get afraid. And he would have finished the last two steps. Then him and Jesus would have walked back the ship together. Why? Because we're going to the other side. And then when Jesus, they're all afraid, and he says, don't fear, there's a second word. He could have operated on that and stayed out of fear. When Jesus said, come, he could have operated that set out of fear. In fact, all the other disciples could have got out of the boat when Jesus said, come, because he's no respecter of persons. So that word would have enabled every one of them to get on the ship and walk to him. Isn't that good? But I want you to see what happened. When he saw, he was afraid. Verse 30 said, he was afraid. Wouldn't you agree that he was walking by faith before he got afraid? I don't know anybody else that's walked on water, do you? <laughs> I tried it one time. I used to be a barefoot water skier, and so and I would teach other students to barefoot water ski. And so one time when I was out on the lake, I thought, you know what? And this is I started coming to a church like this one, and I knew just enough about faith to be dangerous. And so I was out barefoot water skiing, and, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to have them kill the engine. I'm just going to walk up to the boat on the water. I thought, I'm going to show them I'm a faith person. And so I had them cut the engine, and I went kerplunk. <laughs> I really showed them, didn't I? <laughs> so for, for Peter to walk on the water like he did, then he's walking by faith. It wasn't the water holding him up. We know it wasn't because as soon as he got his eyes off the Word and onto the circumstance and the problem and the test and trials of life, then what happened? He sank. Why? Because... The Word is what was holding him up, not the water. So this is showing us then that we've got to keep our eyes on the Word when we face the test and trials. It's easy to say we believe the Word when we're not having to apply our faith. You know, we're not facing a hardship or a test or a trial. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, I live by faith. I walk by faith. Yeah, well, what about when all of a sudden you feel the tumor? Or, or you feel the arthritis or bursitis or tendonitis or, or, or you feel the pain or, or what about when all of a sudden the car breaks down, you don't have the money and the natural to repair it. What, what are you saying then? Are you living by and walking by faith then? That's when we live by faith. That's when we walk by faith and not by sight. Are you with me? So let's jump back over. Let's go back over to Numbers 13 where we were this morning. Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to point out a few verses again. 
and then um, go to something else here in Numbers. Numbers 13, remember verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses. In verse 2, send men that they can search the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel. So we pointed that out this morning. He said, I give it to you before you ever go, go spy it out. So it's yours. It already belongs to you. Really, I mean, when you think about what he said, guys, go search the land that I give you, then really what he was saying was, I want you to go check out what I just did for you. Go check it out, guys. This is yours. I've given it to you. I want you to see how good it is. Verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. Verse 21, so they went up and searched the land. Verse 25, they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And so in verse 26, they went came to Moses, Aaron, and all the congregation under the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation. And look what they did. Showed them the fruit of the land. They said, look, we came to the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So in other words, they first of all started saying, God told us the truth. <laughs> it really is a land that flows with milk and honey. But... But, they got their butt in the wrong place. But, verse 28, well, King James says, nevertheless, but the people are strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled. Man, they can drive chariots on those things. And and very great. And moreover, we saw, uh uh-oh, you better circle that word right there, saw the children of Anak, which are the giants. Verse 29, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Termites, and the Parasites, and the... Oh, those weren't in there, were they? Okay. Well, they were, pro- they were probably giants to them as well, because they had their eyes off of God and onto themselves. And so Caleb, verse 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses said, Let's go up at once and possess it. We're well able to overcome it. So he's thinking... Now, now, like I pointed out this morning, Caleb saw the giants. He saw the walled cities that chariots could drive on top of them. He knew there wasn't a way in the natural, but he knew he wasn't going there in the natural because it already belongs to us. God already said it's ours, so that means if we believe God, he must plan on moving those dudes. <laughs> he must plan on getting them out of there, clearing it out for us, because he already gave us the land. It's ours So we must be able to possess it. Let's go up at once. You see how faith doesn't walk by sight? How faith doesn't look at the reality and the factualism of something, but looks at what did God say? Okay, come on, let's go. Amen? But the men that were with him, verse 31, said, We're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. They brought up an evil report. Uh... Uh, search the land that, through which they've gone. It's a land that eats up the inhabitants, all the people we saw in it, men of great statue. Then verse 33. They were, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. Now here's, here's where the problem lies when you're walking by sight versus walking by faith. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And then when you start looking to yourself as the answer to all your problems, then even things that aren't true you'll, will, will spew, out of, spew out of your mouth. And look what they said right after they said we were grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. I would like to know where in the world they heard that. Where did they ever hear the enemy say, you guys are grasshoppers? They came up with it. 
But see, that's because their eyes were on themselves, not on the truth. And when you get your eyes on self and your inadequacies and your failures and, and all your messes in your life, then all of a sudden you'll start seeing things that you think are true that aren't even true. You'll be sitting there thinking, well, this enemy is just too big for me. This enemy is, you know, it's incurable. The doctor says it's incurable. So, And you see yourself, but then you see that that enemy even sees you as defeated. But let's see if what they said here, biblically, let's see if this is really too, true. Did they really... Look at the children of Israel as grasshoppers like they're just testifying here. Let's go, let's go over to Joshua, the second chapter. You remember this story of Rahab the harlot? And Joshua had sent two men into Jericho to spy the land, and two spies ended up lodging in Rahab's house. And then the king of Jericho got wind about it and so sent people to go talk to uh, uh, Rahab. And so she hid them. Uh, up on the roof of her home. And I want you to see what Rahab tells the two spies that are the children of Israel spies. Listen to what she says. We're going to start reading in verse number 9. Verse number 9, she's talking to the two spies. She said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Well, well, you guys didn't even know that. Here your enemy knows it. <laughs> the, guy, the Lord has given you the land, and watch this, and your terror has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord, your Lord, dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion, and Gog, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, verse 11, our hearts melted. Neither did remain any more courage in any man. Amalekite, Hittite, Jebusite, you name the ite. No more courage uh, remained in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he's the God in heaven and the God in earth. It didn't sound like the enemy looked at you as grasshoppers. So let's go back to verse 33 of, of 13, Numbers 13, 33. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which were come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. Were they walking by faith or by sight? Huh? They were walking by sight. And when you walk by sight, you see yourself as incapable. You see yourself as weak. You see yourself as, I'm not going to make it. You see yourself with no future, no hope, nothing to live for. What was the difference between Joshua and Caleb and the other ten and, and the congregation that believed them? What, what, was the, what was the difference here? They all saw the same thing. They all heard the same thing. So what was the difference? Someone might say, well, Joshua and Caleb walked by faith and the others by sight. That's, that's true. But what, what, what did both sides do that caused them to either walk by faith or walk by sight? Here it is. The ten spies looked at their problem, looked at their enemy, looked at their giants, 
and compared them to themselves. Joshua and Caleb looked at their problem, looked at the giants, looked at the impossible, and compared the giants against God. And when you get your eyes off of the Word and off of Jesus and off of what God says, then you start comparing your problem, the incurable disease, the, the, the not being able to pay off a debt, whatever it is in whatever realm you're talking about, you start comparing that problem with yourself and your inadequacies and your insufficiency, and you'll want to quit and give up, and things will just get worse. And I've seen a lot of Christians do this, even in the realm of depression and that kind of thing. Uh, the devil just gets, gets them to so focus on their problem and their giant, they just get further and further depressed. Then they take medicine for depression and everything else. And so many times they're wanting to commit suicide. Or if it's not a person that gets that extreme, they don't want to commit suicide, you'll hear them say, I just wish Jesus, I just wish God would take me to heaven. They just want to die and go to be, go to be with Jesus. Well, that's not a bad thing, you understand. Uh, Paul said to die and be with Christ is far better, but not before your time. No, God needs you here. You're part of the body of Christ. You're important. And the devil doesn't want you to think that, and so he tries to tell you how unimportant you are. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares. You know, nobody knows what I'm going through and tries to get you depressed. And all he's trying to do is get you to walk by sight rather than by faith. Because when you walk by sight, then you're in a position where he can steal, kill, and destroy. Examine yourselves. What are you comparing the problem to that you're facing? What are you comparing if you have a sickness, a disease, some pain in some part of your body? What are you comparing that problem to, that sickness to? What are you comparing the the financial lack to. You, you need to get out of debt. You need to pay off debt. What are you comparing that to? What are you comparing any circumstance or situation to? Or are you comparing it to the Word? See, if you're speaking about the problem and not the answer, then you are not persuaded. Remember what I said faith was? I gave you my definition. Faith, in essence, is uh, you're just persuaded to believe what God says and and, and you speak and say and do what he says regardless of what it looks like? Well, if you're speaking about the problem and talking about the problem, then, then you're not persuaded by God's word. You're not persuaded by God's ways. You're not persuaded to the point that you're only saying and doing what God says, even though your circumstances are contrary. You're walking by sight and not by faith. Man, I tell you, I was so glad I got to travel with uh, the late Kenneth E. Hagan, because back in 1982, when when I was part of the part of his crusade team, I was his worship leader for his big crusades around the country and stuff, and and um, so we started traveling with him, which means I had to quit my job. And back then, the, their ministry, Kenneth Hagan Ministries, had very little money for for those of us that traveled with him. So we got really very, very small salary. And it wasn't enough to live on. And then they required back then, now they don't now, but back then they required if you're married, your spouse has to travel with you. So my wife had to quit her job. 
So now, and, and she didn't work for the ministry, although she actually worked harder than all the rest of us. She was actually, she worked all of the, the reproduction, you know, producing the, all, all the audio recordings for every meeting and working the book table. She actually did all the work. We got all the glory. But anyway, but she didn't get paid because she wasn't hired like, like I was. So we, we had this little tiny income of mine to live on. And people don't even know this when they, when they hear me that I'm wealthy financially, that I'm out of debt, and that God's blessed us. They, they don't even know what you've gone through to get there. We gave our way out of debt. We did not use our smarts or, or you know, being so savvy and that kind of thing. God, God showed us steps along the way because we kept tithing and put him first financially. So he kept opening up ideas and say, okay, now I want you to buy and sell this. I want you to invest here. I want you to do this. It was all God. But people don't even realize, like when I travel with Brother Hagen, Liz and I, 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 I had my commercial chauffeur's license, and so I drove the big bus that we carried 22 people on, 22 people of the Rama Singers and Band and the Crusade team, and we all traveled together. So when you have 22 people and you're traveling week to week all over the nation, you know, one, one week after a whole week of crusade with Brother Hagen, then we'd travel the next week to get to the next place where Brother Hagen was be. And in, in between, we'd stop and, and do one-night stands at churches along the way. So when you have 22 people and you're traveling on a bus and you've got to stop for lunch and dinner and things like that, well, where do you go that's going to please everybody? Trust me, when there's 22 people, you're not. Everybody has different. Te- well, I don't like Chinese. Well, I don't like Italian. Well, I don't like this. Well, I don't like. So we we usually found a mall area to park the bus in, so that people could scatter, go to different restaurants, you know. But you know what, my wife and I did. We didn't have the money to go eat. They gave us expense money and our little tiny salary, but it it was gone before we left on the trip. Because we had to pay the bill so the lights wouldn't be shut off before we left. And so we'd get out on the road and people would see me. Oh, yeah, they'd see me on the platform leading praise and worship for the great prophet of God. Ooh, look at Larry Hutton. He's got it made in the shade. They didn't have a clue, man, that I just had to call. In fact, I had to do this a couple times. I had to call the electric company two different times. The three, four years I traveled with Brother Hagen, I had to call him two different times and say, um, Listen, I'm a man of integrity. I'm a man of my word. And I owe you this money, and I don't have the money right now, but I will pay you if just don't turn my air conditioner or my lights off. And you know what? Because I was honest and a man of integrity, they worked with me. And God came through, and we paid it off. only had to do that twice. But I'm up on the platform leading praise and worship for this huge ministry. And people think, whoa, man, I wish I were in your shoes. Yeah, I wish you were too. (laughs) But we pull into a mall, and, of course, I'm the bus driver. And so everybody gets off the bus, you know, and they just think Liz and I are going to be last because I'm parking the bus, getting it ready, you know, and secure and stuff. But what they don't realize, well, we don't have any money to get off like all the rest of the Crusade team members. They went to their restaurants and stuff. So Liz and I went back to our bunk. Got underneath our bunk and pulled out the loaf of bread and the peanut butter and jelly. And we'd make our sandwiches and that's how we lived. Because we didn't have the money. But God said, be faithful. Be faithful. Put me first. Put me first. And your harvest is coming. And harvest started coming. Thank God we were faithful. 
I wouldn't trade walking by faith versus walking by sight. We could have walked by sight and said, man, I might as well go. And this is what a lot of people do today, especially musicians. I'm a musician, so I know a lot of them. But today, musicians, well, I've got to get paid to be able to lead praise and worship. Or I've got to get paid. Well, this church will pay me a lot more than you were, so I'm going to go over here. I just, I'm so thankful I learned to walk by faith. When it would have been easy to walk by sight and just quit and say, you know what, I can go do this. And I used to work at Delta Airlines, get paid big bucks. So, I, you know, I, I know how to make money, go get another job. But I'm so glad that Liz and I just continued to serve the man of God, walk by faith, even though there was struggles. Study out Paul's life. He walked by faith and he had plenty of struggles, right? Shipwrecked, stoned, everything else, beaten, and just everything else. And yet he said, man, from everything came against me, God delivered me out of them all. And that's what Liz and I found out. God delivered us and then just kept taking us up and up and up through the whole thing. But we learned to walk by faith. And the key to walking by faith is staying full of the Word of God. That's why I, that's why I, like I, I have those cards. Did I bring those? Yeah, I brought those up here. That's why I have these cards, these scripture cards. You guys, some of you heard me last time mention the, the way God taught me. He said, write down, I didn't even have the cards. I just wrote it down on a piece of paper. He said, write down on a piece of paper uh, a, a verse of scripture and then just use that one verse of scripture. No more, I don't want you to read any more Bible, no more word, one verse of scripture for seven days. No more, just one verse. But he, but he said, but I want you to say that as many times a day as you can. So I would say it's 60, 70, 80 times a day, one verse of Scripture. And after you do it three days in a row, you've got it memorized. You're not having to look at it anymore. And by the fourth day, I could quote it backwards. So I'm telling the Lord, okay, I'm ready for a new Scripture. He said, no, I said seven days on one Scripture. So I went seven days. You know what happened by that seventh day? It was no longer memorized it was now a part of the fabric of my being and i did that with another scripture the next week and then another scripture the next week and then another just one scripture a week and you think boy you're sure not learning much bible yeah but at the end of one year i had 52 verses of scripture that i could do battle with more than most christians know after two years i had 104 verses of scripture that's more than most preachers know which is sad but but I had word in me. And now, when I face the tests and trials of life, my very first thoughts all the time, what does God say? What does God say? What does God and, and then the Holy Ghost, remember what John's gospel said? John said Jesus was talking about the Holy Ghost. When, he, when I send him, he's going to help you. And he said he will bring things to your remembrance. So I may not be thinking about a scripture, but when I come into a test or trial of life, and a scripture applies to that, the Holy Ghost will bring it up, and I'll find myself quoting it without even, even having thought of it. Because it's become part of me. That's why the Lord told us to put out this deck of cards so that Christians could start getting full of the Word. That's why we do the, the... I saw some of you buying some of our scripture CDs. My scripture CDs, we have seven different subjects now on scripture CDs. None of them I preach or teach on. All I do is quote the Word. Why? Because it's so people can listen to them and get full of the Word. I'm always amazed how many people struggle financially, come to my meetings, and I'll mention the wealth scriptures, and they won't go get it. Yet they'll just keep struggling because they never get full of the Word. What does God say? You've got to get full of the Word if you're going to walk by faith. 
And so they continue to keep walking by sight, and then they wonder, what's the problem? God says, we walk by faith, not by sight. So I want to encourage you. You're my family. I've been here how many times now? Four or five times? After, remember what I told you? I told you when you had me the third time, I said, okay, you're not going to get rid of me now. Once I've come to a church three times, I'm in. <laughs> I'm family. I'm part of the family. So you're not going to get rid of me. So you're family, and I want family to realize that this isn't just for a little country boy from Odessa, Florida. This will work for anybody. In fact, if it will work for a little country boy from Odessa that used to play with my snakes and turtles and alligators. You know, I used to go catch alligators, keep them as pets. My name was not Crocodile Dundee. It was Alligator Hutton. But anyway, uh, you know, if God, if God can cause these things in the Word of God to work for a little country boy from Odessa, Florida, it will work for anybody. Because I'm not anybody special. When I, I, was, I was sharing with a congregation here just a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know, it always amazes me that God even chose me <laughs> to be in the pulpit and, and be on television all over the world and, you know, famous all over in different nations. You go to different nations now and people, oh, there's Larry Hutton. Who? Who's Larry Hutton? I mean, in my eyes, I'm nobody. I'm just, a, I'm just the hose. I'm, I'm just a channel God speaks through. We, we're all that important. I'm not more important than you are. In fact, the Bible actually says that you or me can't tell another member of the body, I have no need of you. That's telling them they're less important than you. We can't do that. We are all important in God's eyes. Are you with me? And I was telling the Lord recently, and I was telling this congregation, I said, I'm really surprised you chose me because, you know, I was never the best at anything I did. I was always good. I was a good baseball player, but I wasn't the best. I was a good tennis player when I played champion. I even won some tournaments, but I wasn't the best. I was a good swimmer when I was on the swim team. I was good football. I was good at different sports that I played, but I wasn't the best. I wasn't the best at anything. And I thought, God, why are you choosing me? Well, he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, <laughs> right? But the key is, is when you and I get full of the Word of God, you can be what you consider a little peon or nothing in the body of Christ. But, boy, when you get full of the Word and you start speaking the Word, God will rise you up. God will raise you up and, and cause you to stand before kings. So that's what I had on my heart to share with my family tonight. Let's, let's walk by faith. Let's take what we learned this morning. Really, this morning's message is tonight's message. Let's put these two together, and your next 12 months will be your best 12 months of your life. Right? Man, we can, we can flat live the good life, the blessed life, which is what I share in my daily TV program. I almost start every program with, you know, we call it my, the name of my TV program is Limitless Life. I say, man, we get to take all the limits off our lives when we walk with God. Because Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is where? So the sky is not the limit. Heaven is the limit. God's kingdom is the limit. And that's limitless. For there is nothing impossible with God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you tonight for this truth we've heard. Lord, help us, help us to take this and run with it. Like, like beat like a bulldog on a new bone, Lord. Just grab it and not let go. <laughs> this is our word. We're not letting this go. We're going to hang on to it. And then, Lord, we're going to make it daily bread. We're going to spend time daily, even if it's just one verse of Scripture for a day, for a week. Lord, we're just going to make it daily bread. And this daily 
bread will be our daily portion forever. You said my words are spirit and they're life. So, Lord, this is going to change our spirit, our inner man, and it's going to change our very lives, our marriages, our finances, our physical health, our mental health, every part of our lives, Lord. going to be the best next 12 months ever. <laughs> thank you for that, Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen, amen, amen. Was this all right tonight? Glory to God. I sure appreciate y'all coming, so I had somebody to preach to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, God's Word is amazing, so um, I know a couple of you. I got to meet a couple of you. You know, when somebody comes up to me and says, I'm your partner, uh, I usually recognize their name, but usually can't put faces with names. So when my partners come up and say, hey, we're your partner, I ask them their names. I say, oh, yeah, I know your name, but now I can put a face with the name. And so those of you that did that this morning, thank you. Thank you for coming up and introducing yourselves because it's our partners that are causing us to advertise on Google and get all those souls saved. In fact, just so you know, this is what I'd like you to do tonight because pastor is going to come and receive a love offering. Um, I asked my IT guy when he told me just a couple weeks ago we've now had 117,000 people go to our salvation website and read the salvation prayer. And uh, I said, how, do, how much does it actually cost us to get one person saved on that website? And he said, well, now, not including what we mail out, all the stuff we mail out is a lot more. But he said, just for them to search Google, go to our website, read the salvation prayer, and then click to get something. He said it only cost a dollar per soul. I said, what did you say, a dollar? He said, yeah, just a dollar per soul. I said, so I can tell people when I travel if they give a dollar per soul then they're going to get one soul credited to their heavenly account. And when you're in heaven, the Bible said you're going to have rewards laid up in heaven. And let me tell you, souls is a huge reward in heaven. So this is what I want you to give to tonight when you're given how many souls you want to sow toward tonight, whether it's 100 or whether it's 350 or, or 75 or 5 or whatever, whatever amount you feel like, you know what, I want to lay up that many souls. And if you want to become a monthly partner, then every month you'll be doing that with us. But, but tonight, just pray about what God would have you sow to help us. Because I don't need it. I'm, God's, God's got us set. God's like my wife and I. We're blessed. So I don't need your money. I'm not here for your money. And you guys know that. They know our hearts. I don't go anywhere to preach for money. I, I give people an opportunity to sow because it's for your benefit. That's how I got out of debt was by sowing. And that's how we keep increasing financially every year my wife and i keep giving into the kingdom more every year than we did the year before so i i want people to follow me as i follow christ so i'm going to give people an opportunity to give but it's not because i want your money isn't that what paul said in philippians he said it's not i desire a gift i want fruit to abound to your account so just pray before pastor receives the offering and and if anybody can you guys give by credit card here because i didn't see texting do you give by text here you don't text yet Website, okay. Or if you want to give an offering, you can always stop by the book table and give an offering. We do have debit and credit cards set up back there as well. So anyway, just wanted to let you know I, that's, what, that's what's on my heart. Give towards souls. We're going to actually reach souls in two ways. We're going to reach the ones that are unsaved. But do you know how many hurting Christians there all are all over the world, hurting souls? I'm telling you, there are sick, depressed, broke, messed up Christians they're hurting, and we're reaching those as well on our TV program and on all our, all our media and, and all of our books and everything. So help us reach some more souls. That's, that's what my heart's for, because I want to change people's lives.
So I want to thank you. Thank you in advance for giving into our ministry this morning. And I know some of you all going to be giving again tonight. So thank you for doing that. After Pastor dismisses us, those cards will be available back at the, at the product table. And then I just wanted to mention the in him scriptures. You know, you guys heard. I was going to have them play this over the sound system, but I think I'll just announce it just real quick. The in him scriptures, this is two uh, two and a half, almost two hours, well, two hours and 20 minutes of me quoting, who does God say you already are? Who does God say, or what does God say you already have available to you at your possession? And what does he say you can do because of what you are and what you have? And uh, remember I told you what God said to me, if you'll believe what I said you already are, I can change what is. That's why this is some of the most important scriptures ever. I don't preach or teach. This is just in him scriptures like that heaven's health food you heard this morning. And so in him scriptures is back there. And then I know everybody here didn't have this. And this is our number one selling uh, book and CD series is called Internal Affairs and Free From Me. And this is the supernatural experience I had when the Lord came into my room and taught me how to live free from stress, how to live free from worry how to live free from depression, how to live free from bad temper and anger problems, all the negative emotions that control us. So I haven't had any of those days in decades now. My daughter's 26 years old. She's never seen her daddy have a down day, a stress-filled day, a a strife-filled day, a depressed day. I just don't have them since Jesus came and showed me in the Word what to do. And anybody that does the Word, it works. Right, Pastor? It works for anybody. And so if you want the book, I I sell them together. You can buy them separate if you want, but I cover some things on each one that I don't cover on the other. So that's why I tell people to go ahead and get them as a set. But those are back there, too. And if we happen to run out of anything, uh, go to our website, LarryHutton.org, and stuff there. In fact, some people ask, do we have MP3s? Yeah, all everything that we have back there that's recorded form, you can download from our website as well. And then if you want to watch our TV program, it's gospeltruth.tv. I'm on twice a day, Monday through Friday, uh, noon and midnight, twice a day. And you can actually go on and watch it other times if you just sign up. It doesn't cost anything to sign up. You just give your email, and then you can actually watch the TV program at other times, anytime you want. And then our YouTube channel, if you go to Larry Hutt Ministry YouTube channel, we upload our TV programs there so you can watch things there as well. And then in case anybody else would like to become a partner and help us out, there's partner cards back on the book table. So I would love some more family members to become partners with us and help us get more souls because we're, we're believing for 200,000 now this year uh, to get that, that many people saved. And that's a, that's a good thing, right? Praise God. Sure love you guys. Appreciate you. Thank you all. Love you. Pastor, turn this over to you. I'm glad you all came back tonight. That tells me God really touched your heart with what is amazing. You're talking about sowing. And I was uh, praying and wanting God to show me what to share when I take the offering. But uh, the scripture here is in Genesis chapter 8. Before we give. I, I usually prepare myself before I go to service. I don't know about you. I make sure I have something to give to God and to his ministers. That's the way it is. And uh, I have to do that. Um, but I want to share this with you briefly before we take the offering. It says in verse 21, Genesis 8 verse 21. It says, And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. It was an offering right after the flood 
And it was an offering from Noah, thanksgiving to God. Then the Lord said in his heart, in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. So it's never going to happen again. The ground is not cursed. Now we're free. Cursing of the ground means hardship if you're going to live. Hard work. All of that. God says, I will not do that again. I'm changing the way things work on the earth today. That's what he's saying. I'm changing everything. I will never again. That was in the past. This is new now. I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imaginations, I still understand what's going on in your heart. But I'm not doing that anymore. That's not the way it's going to work anymore. Although the imaginations of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy everything, every living thing, as I have done. So I'm not going to do that. Not here. While the earth remains. So now we're coming to a new one. A new order. The way things are done. The way God wants it done. It says, while the earth remains. Is the earth still here? This is the way it works for us. Seed time and harvest. Sowing and reaping. Seed time and harvest. He's talking to us tonight about sowing into the ministry. That's your seed. It says seed time and harvest. Cold and heat. Winter and summer. And day and night shall not cease. So we are still in that season. As long as we have day and night, God's given us that privilege to sow. Especially kingdom people. We sow into kingdom work. And we're never tired of doing it. Because think about it. If a farmer decides, I'm not going to sow anymore. I'm just tired of doing this. Well, he's going to starve. (laughs) But this is for the kingdom. Sowing for the kingdom to win some souls. Jesus said, whatever you do in his name and for the gospel, you will not lose your reward in this earth. You will have a hundredfold according to his word. And we know from what we heard tonight, God is true to his word. And we, if we do it by faith, and I think sometimes God wants to know if you're going to quit because there's hardship. But you know the word. We walk by faith and not by sight. So you keep doing what God says regardless of what's happening. And then all of a sudden things begin to turn around. I know you came prepared to give tonight. Are we ready to give? Ushers, please help. You know, I was talking to Angel and I were discussing your prayer. It's eternal. If God was going to give, if God's going to make people give account for idle words that they've spoken, what about my prayers? When it's all over, God's asking you about what you said. What about my prayers? Your prayers are eternal. They always work. Your prayers are always there. God lives outside time. It's going to be fulfilled. Your giving, they're eternal. It's always there. In his time, it's coming back to you. Amen. Are we ready to give?
We want to bless the servant of God, bless the ministry. And uh, we've had uh, Dr. Larry Hutton since we were way back in that building. And God's blessed us with a new one. And we believe in God. He's going to give us something bigger. Can I hear an amen? You don't sound too convinced. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> That's right. God's going to give us something bigger. Would you lift your offering up? Father, I just want, we just want to thank you for the word that we received tonight. Lord, we pray that by your grace, we will be doers of your word and not hearers only. Thank you for ministering to us. We've received spiritual gifts from you tonight and the manifestation of your blessing upon our lives. We'll see. We ask that you bless our gifts to you as we sow into the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. I just uh, felt like sharing this. It's funny. I was reading about a, a church in uh, Africa where pastor will always give them opportunity to give because they are expecting a blessing. And pastor wasn't doing it for a while. And I heard the members saying, what's wrong with pastor these days? He's not asking for offering. What's going on? <laughs> Why is he not giving us opportunity to give? We need to give. What's going on here? I like to have that blessing here. Amen. <laughs> we just stand. Thank you so much, Dr. Hurting. It's a real blessing to, to hear these words. And uh, our lives are in, enriched. Speak what God says. Amen. Amen. And believe. Father, we just want to thank you for all that we've received. We thank you again. We pray for Dr. Hurtin's uh, ministry that will continue to grow. God, we unite with him in faith that these 200,000 people this year will give their lives to Christ. It's a blessing that you've given to the church and we're grateful. Be with us as we go according to your word. You will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you. It is me.